At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. We're on Stitcher. We're in the iTunes Store. We're in the Google Play Store. Go download us on Stitcher. I think we've had like one Stitcher download the entire time that we've been on it, which is pathetic because it's been like a year. Uh, check us out on Twitter. I'm at libconmat. Tim is at libcontim. Buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Will Want. And check out the blog and trailer for my production company's new film at sphereofinfluencemovie.com. Uh, slow down, chew your food, brush twice daily. I don't know, whatever else you think is sage. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about all these transitiony things. Uh, Donald Trump's been talking on Twitter again, and there's some question as to whether or not that's a good thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, whether or not the Democratic Party is this giant steaming pile of doggy doo that you've been hearing, I'm sure, and recounts and round of applause and something cool. But in the meantime, how are you, friend? I'm good, man. Um, you know, I'm just enjoying the the whirlwind of politics in our in our day. All the cabinet positions. I just find myself just ever excited for the next one, and just wondering who is he going to pick, and just waiting for a Secretary of State to get decided. Come on, pick somebody. So. Just merciful Zeus fascinated by it all yeah well it, it is sort of happening in reverse though isn't it because like you know generally the Secretary of State that's the first one that's kind of where the dominoes start to fall you know like there, there there was never really any question once once you sort of got an idea about where Clinton was that it was going to be uh, or where Bush where Obama was that it was going to be Clinton and I think pretty early on it was pretty obvious that that uh, Colin Powell was going to be Bush's and now Man, I don't know. It seems like that may be the last one that gets picked. Yeah, it seems like everything else is going to get figured out before that one gets handled. Uh, right. You know, which is odd because it seemed like he had such a clear front runner in Romney. And all of a sudden there's dissension in the ranks and I, who knows. I that's well, we'll get to that. But so I mean, okay, so like you know, that's we're obviously we're already talking about so transition stuff, you know, going on and uh, we'll get to the fun mouthiness later, but uh, in, in all honesty, uh, obviously the, tr- the transition is happening. Uh, I mean, you know, my my first watching a lot of this has just sort of been one. I've been relieved that for for the most part up to now the the JV Tea Party freak show that I was really afraid this was going to be has for the most part leveled out. Uh, there have been a couple of rumors with David Clark and Sarah Palin that have kind of flipped me out in the last 24 hours, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, please you know, don't do but, that. Please don't do that, Trump. Please don't. Oh, okay. God. Please don't, Palin. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, and David Clark, too, is another one, but whatever. Um, so, you know, but I, I guess my, my first thing is that if this is draining the swamp, what? Yeah, you picked the wife of the Senate Majority Leader, and I mean, again, I you know what I think I don't know much about Elaine Chao, but you know she may well be very qualified for this. I've I've always questioned her choice in husbands, but you know that's none of my business. Uh, you know, um, uh, 
uh, you know, session seems to be the one that has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of queasiness going on. There's a lot of people left and right that don't care for him. I personally don't care for him. Uh, I think that people who are really, you know, heavy duty into legalizing marijuana are probably pretty concerned. But you were telling me earlier that, and I believe you said you tweeted something along the lines of uh, a good article that you read on Salon and you didn't burst into flames when you did. Yeah, that's why I, 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 I think he is doing a, a good job so far as far as cabinet picks, you know, uh, as much as you want to drain the swamp, you know, that was one of the things we, uh, weird for me to use this as an analogy, I guess, but when we went into Iraq, one of the things, one of the mistakes that we made was we got rid of all of Hussein's bureaucrats, right? All the bath party people. We got rid of all of them. And suddenly, wait a minute. Left. Are you really comparing this to the debathification order I in am. Iraq? I am. Um, all right. I'm with you. Go. And suddenly, we had no one who knew how to run anything. Um, well, and, we also dismissed the entire army with all of their guns. Right. Well, and that's and that's good, right? But this is one of the things the economists has talked about ad nauseum of that, you know, you have to have experienced technocrats in government. Um, and so when we did that, we really got rid of everyone who knew what they were doing. So I feel like Trump is doing a good job of picking people who maybe are a little bit on the outside, uh, but most of them still are qualified, still know what they're doing. Uh, but also picking some people who are very much on the inside. Uh, you know, so you've got, you know, the, the Elaine Chow, uh, who obviously is, you know, sort of quintessential Washington establishment, but definitely qualified. Um, what did she do for Bush? Didn't she do something in, in yeah, it was, it was either labor, secretary of labor or interior. One of those two things. She, she okay. did something along those lines. So she's well, in transportation. She, yeah. So I mean, she, she's move. done this. She's been in this game. She knows what's up. Uh, and obviously she's got the, the Senate's ear. So, um, and, and you, he brings in, you know, another one in the form of, um, um, Priebus, who is definitely establishment. Uh, and then he's got some people who are sort of middle of the road. So you've, you've got your, your Tom Price, who is definitely established man in the sense that he's been there for a while. Um, but he's also, uh, but he's also, you know, been a very outspoken, you know, against, uh, very vocally against the ACA, uh, and again, you know, if you want to find the Republican who knows healthcare inside and out, that's him. Uh, you may not like necessarily some of the include conclusions that he's come to, but you can't argue with his knowledge base. Uh, he's written a couple of pretty extensive bills and just put out another one of, you know, what what health insurance would look like. You know, everyone wants to see Republicans with detailed bills. This is the guy who's got them. Um, you know, you got a guy like Jeff Sessions who, I mean, he's pretty tea party, so you can't really label anyone. No, even if they've been in Congress, you can hardly label a tea party or his establishment. Uh, and then you've got guys like Steve, Steve Munchen, I think that's how you say it. Uh, Wilbur Ross, who are completely, you know, from outside of the, the Washington establishment. So, uh, and then Nikki Haley, 
who that's not Washington establishment in any way, shape, or form, uh, even if she has been a governor. So I, And then you see all these generals. So, I mean, the, these guys aren't Washington established by any stretch of the imagination, but they're obviously extremely qualified and experienced. Well, I mean, first of all, the thing that's interesting to me about Price is that I I wonder how much because I mean and, and because admittedly a lot of lot of liberals freaking out about price, but at the same time, you have to look at the thing that's interesting about the ACA to me and and what happens. Which I again I, you're already seeing quite a lot of backtracking, even with that. What, what was it they announced today? The repeal and hold or something? How did they phrase it? Repeal and wait. Or something like that. I don't know. Well, some of them, they're sort of starting to change. Phrasing where they were Replace and repeal. But then also, yeah, there's been this idea of repeal, but postpone it for three years. Repeal and hold or something. It's clear, hold and build. Yeah, Uh. it's coming. So everyone knows (laughs) it's repealed. So we can start prepping and getting ready, but we're not going to just yank the the rug out. Well, but there's there's some thinking. Well, never mind. We'll we'll talk about that. There's some thinking that that's a really bad move because of the way that's structured. But that's you know neither here nor there right now. What what I'm saying is interesting about price is that first of all, you have to again if you look at this from a standpoint of points of view. First of all, price is 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 a physician, correct? He's an orthopedist. Mm -hmm. Am I right about that? Um, And a lot of the complaints that you've heard about the ACA from people that actually know the system and have reasonable complaints and aren't just bitching because they're Republicans um, are that it didn't really take into account what doctors would necessarily have to say. And it doesn't do enough to differentiate the sins of the insurance industry with the work of doctors. It seemed to sort of squish all of this together, which I'd never, I, I never thought was fair. Um, because I think doctors do one thing, insurance companies do another. And I think that the real evils of our, our healthcare industry is, is, is the insurance companies, not doctors. And so, but then you had the ACA, which really approached the thing from the standpoint of patients and patient rights. So if you have somebody who's approaching it from clear across the aisle on the other side, from a physician's point of view, how much of a, a ballast can that be? in the long run so that maybe we get something out of this that can provide a, a balancing act. You see what I'm saying? So that there could be some sort of middle ground coming. Yeah. Out. And I, and um, I think also that doctors in general, you know, are gonna have a patient's best interests at heart. You know, obviously you're going to get doctors every now and then that aren't qualified, that aren't good, but uh, the vast majority of doctors you know, one, obviously they're going to be wanting to do what they think is best, but in general, that's because they think it's in the patient's best interest. You know, they're not just looking out for themselves. Um, so I, I think when you start to look at things from the doctor's perspective, you're also looking at things from the, the patient's perspective. Well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, I, I see, I get what you're saying, but I still think that what you, what you tend to have is, a difference of opinion of how approach, how to approach the industry. You know what I mean? Patients can see things. It's sort of like, it's sort of like customers see things one way and, and store owners, shopkeepers would see it another, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I think in this case, and you're seeing a, a similar sort of 
dynamic. You've got patients who see things one way and doctors see it another. They both want the same things, but how you get there is just different. You see what I'm saying? I do, and I and I agree that in, in many ways it seems like we've we've ended up pitting, you know, it's almost this doctor versus patient relationship. Uh, and and I and I hope that with with Tom Price we can start to try and adjust that perspective and and see things more as a cooperation. Yes, in fighting the insurance companies, because really what it should be is everyone against the insurance companies. Everyone against the insurance companies. (laughs) Take them down. So, right, exactly. So, um, okay, so I I don't, Jeff Sessions freaks me out. Why should Jeff Sessions not freak me out? What did you you read? Well, one, Jeff's, it depends on why Jeff Sessions freaks you out, right? If Jeff Sessions freaks you out because you're scared uh, about marijuana, well, I, you might have a leg saying on. I personally, I haven't seen. Have you? Have you seen? Like, has he made statements about how we need to be cracking down on marijuana? Like, have have you seen these? I, I haven't seen statements from him. Yes, about I've this, seen it. I've seen but, a number of them as recently as earlier this year. Okay, where he wanted. He was angry at the at at the Obama administration's refusal to enforce federal law in states where it had been legalized. Okay. And he fought against that tooth and nail again as recently as this spring. He was given he was given statements about it. Okay. So that's le- that's legit. That's a that that's a legitimate I think that's a legitimate fear because right. that's one of those things that you know that was ultimately that was the thing. You know states can states can legalize marijuana all they want to, but that doesn't change federal law. Yeah. And, and- you know even during the primaries you had Chris Christie you know, buffooning his way around saying, you know, oh, I'm going to come after you, Colorado, you know, and and Jeff Sessions seems to have a similar tack. Now, at the same time, what I would say is that ultimately the decision, I think, lies with with the president. And now we happen to have an Eric Holder and Obama, two people that that really, for the most part, agreed on this stuff. But I I think Obama would not have I think ultimately the AG is going to listen to what the president says and Trump has never really seemed to care about marijuana. You know, so if you're worried about marijuana and that's why you don't like Jeff Sessions, okay. You know, now I don't think that makes him a bad guy because all he's wanting to do is enforce the laws that are on the books. If we don't want marijuana to be illegal, then Congress needs to step up and legalize marijuana. Um, if you're worried about him because from an immigration standpoint, you know, if you're worried that he's going to, you know, fight against some of the steps Obama had taken to, you know, kind of go a little bit easier on illegal immigration, then yeah, you probably shouldn't like Jeff Sessions. You know, like, I mean, he's been pretty clear on that one as well. Um, where I, where I would be a little bit less concerned is some of the, uh, the, the racism charges, uh, you know, this is, you know, the reason the reason why people are concerned about this is based on hearsay from 30 years ago. Right. Uh, things that he may or may not have said. Um, and I, I think there's reason to hope that even if he did say those things, it, it wasn't that there's been growth on his part. And, and just as, you know, Obama talked about, you know, Robert Byrd and his uh, eulogy of him, you know, of how this person who once was, you know, KKK member and recruiter, 
you saw him come to later regret, you know, and the, the way that he used to talk and the way that he was. Um, and I think you would be far better served to look at Jeff Sessions' record uh, on uh, aiding the, the African-American community. And, and that's where there's a really nice article on, from Salon, uh, which obviously is a very left, left-leaning uh, newspaper. But they gave a very nice article explaining one of the things that he had done for the African-American community uh, in Alabama and the way that he had fought for them and assisted them and helped them. Um, and it, it was, it was nice and it was, it, it was good to see. So I, I think depending on why you dislike Jeff Sessions, you know, if you dislike him because of the racism thing, maybe, maybe take a step back. Cause I, I don't think that's going to be the concern. But marijuana and illegal immigration, you know. Um, but again, that's a tough. Re- it's it's hard to it's hard to be mad at an attorney general who is insisting on enforcing the laws. You know, if if well, you don't like the laws, then we need to adjust the laws. But you can't hardly get upset with an attorney general for just wanting to do his job and enforce things. Well, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that point. And I, I, I just want to say the, about, about the, as far as the racism thing goes, I, I, I mean, I think, I think that Obama's analogy of growth is, is obviously apropos. And, you know, I, I, I still think that there has to be a kinder way of looking at, you know, to a certain extent, particularly somebody who is Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions's age and where he grew up, uh, you know, a lot of these things that we wish had gone away overnight didn't mm-hmm. and aren't and won't. And, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I heard both my grand grandfathers use the kind of language that hell I've heard my father use the, the kind of language that, um, you know, but I really have a, a very easy time understanding it from my grandparents uh, who did not have a racist bone in their bodies, say things that would have gotten them kicked out of, you know, congressional hearings like Jeff Sessions was. Uh, so, uh, you know, it. I'm I in every one of these cases, I am trying to not to just unless there's absolute proof they were caught in a row burning a cross someplace. I'm trying to just sort of ignore this are they or aren't they a racist stuff and just look at them on their merits, you know, in, in a lot of cases and as, as often as I can. And Jeff Sessions still freaks me out. <laughs> it, has, it has nothing to do with and it really doesn't have much to do with marijuana. But the thing with marijuana is that, you know, I hear a lot of I hear a lot. I'm sorry. I hear a lot from Republicans all the time. This is about states rights. States make their own decisions in these circumstances. But they're very selective with that. And marijuana is one of those areas where they tend to be selective. You know, well, you know, these states legalized it. So, you know, if you want to be a state's rights person, well, then put your money where your mouth is. Um, so oh, that's I, the, I wholeheartedly that's, agree. But I'm, I'm saying that, therefore, those Republicans need to legalize marijuana from a federal standpoint or at least decriminalize it and make it official that it's up to states. Uh, and I'm just saying you can't hardly get mad at an attorney general for wanting to enforce the law as long as that's what the law in the books. Well, I, I think that's fair. So, but 
I, I, I wish that he would look to take steps to do that, man. I don't think he will do that because he's, he is still one of these people that has this idea that marijuana is this thing that needs to remain criminalized. And he has a bad, you know, he obviously believes in the gateway drug theory of marijuana. Yeah. Let me put, let me put it that way. And so there's that there's again, his stance is on illegal immigration. I don't like him. Uh, I, I don't, um, you know, and again, I, I just if I look at the man and I look at his, you know, his rhetoric and, and the way that he talks about people on the other side, at least publicly, I don't I don't care for that. So, you know, I don't uh, it, it's not the kind of thing that I tend to endorse. But, you know, again, I'm open mind. Let's see what kind of job he does. Uh, well, he's a tea partier. So, I mean, this isn't my well, and I don't this isn't my first yeah. choice either. You know, yeah, like, I'm not. And. We got it. Yeah, we got to take what we can get, you know, but I mean, again, I, you know, the, the example I keep coming back is David is this David Clark Yahoo from uh, Milwaukee, you know, who people are touting now, I think is what, what do they what, what do they want him for? Secretary of something or other. Actually, uh, this is the first I've heard his name, so I have no idea. He's he's the African American sheriff from uh, Homeland Security. That's what they're. Doing. Oh, that's right. That guy from Milwaukee County who wants to throw all Muslims into a, into a prison in Guantanamo Bay and, and equated black lives matter with the Klan and uh, you know, just has done nothing but run his friggin' mouth off all year long and make himself look like an idiot. Uh, and, and I can't, frankly can't even stand to look at the guy anymore. But at the same time, I, you know, this, we, we sort of do this, we sort of, as a nation, we do this interview process in reverse, in re, the hiring process in reverse. We get the interview and then we get the application. And the fact of the matter is, is that you can sort of ignore everything David Clark's done in the interview process and just look at the man's application and be like, you know what, you're not qualified for this job. This job has 42,000 some odd detainees that you're in charge of. If you're in charge of Homeland security, you've got like 250,000 employees and the guy has only kind of successfully run a sheriff's department with about 200 employees. So now all of a sudden he's qualified to be the head of Homeland security. My ass. I, 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 and, and he's in the process of getting sued because like four people alone in this year alone have died in his jails due to negligence. So no, just no. He's not qualified. I don't care what he said. He could have been running around in a in a, in a robe with a burning cross. I'll I'll put that aside and be like, you know what? You're still not qualified. And that's the end of it. And Sarah Palin's the same way. All this Veterans Affairs bullshit. The woman, the last job that she had in government, she quit when it got hard. Right as soon as people started attacking her, she just up and ran off. Why? So she could do a reality show, and we're supposed to trust her with the VA department over my dead body. I, I don't care how smart you think she is. Absolutely not. And I'll take everything. And that's a lot that I'll just put aside from Sarah Palin and be like, no, you bailed on your last elected job. Forget it. Scram. State Department. Right now, Romney, Giuliani, lately Petraeus has gotten into the mix. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I like I like Romney, uh, obviously. I just like Trump said, he's sort of the, the the perfect. You know, if you're looking to try to cast a statesman, he's sort of the the number one person you'd look at. Um, I'm I'm not opposed to Petraeus. Uh, I find it odd that you would spend so much time campaigning against someone 
based on their mishandling of alleged mishandling of classified information only to then put someone in her very post who was convicted actually convicted of it mishandling <laughs> so that's weird um you know he would have to if he took the job he would have to notify officially his probation officer yeah within 24 hours <laughs> I, I mean so so that's i i don't get it now at the same time you know like i the man's I, qualified. The man's qualified. The man's really right. Really like, qualified. Everyone and, and has potentially him. do a very good job. And yeah. from what I understand, Obama has continued to seek out his advice. Yeah, because the guy's smart. He knows his shit. So and he knows that he knows the players. He knows the game. Yeah. So I mean, I'm willing to chalk up. You know, look, it was part of an affair. He was. There's a lot of hormones and everything going on there. Like I'm willing to chalk I know, up. Right? I'm willing to you get, talk you that get one nasty, up. You're you want some classified you know? information. And, yeah. and he handled it well. You know, he owned up, took responsibility. There you go. Um, so, you know, I, I'm willing to overlook it. I just, coming from Trump, I find it a little bit odd um, because of everything that went on with Hillary Clinton. So I, I would be happy with, with Romney or with uh, with Petraeus or with Corker. I don't have any really strong feelings one way or the other about him. Uh, so Corker Corker ran a dirty ass campaign to get a seat back in 2008 against somebody that I really liked. Or no, was it was it a six? Oh six. It was no. Well, no way. What is? I don't remember. Oh six. I think it was oh six that he ran against Harold Ford Jr. He ran a dirty ass campaign against him and. I don't know that I've ever let go of that one, but uh, I, I I don't know why you would pick Corker when you've got to arguably, because I, I, I would argue that as much as I hate his guts, I, I, I would argue that Giuliani is more qualified than Corker. So to me, it seems that Corker would be about fourth on the list. Um, I did read an interesting opinion from S.E. Cup, who's a, a conservative writer who thinks that Trump posited the possibility that Trump is just screwing with Romney <laughs> to get him back. So that would be hilarious. Which, unfortunately, I don't have that hard time seeing. I, I don't have a hard, that hard a time seeing that. <laughs> um, you know, just knowing what I know of Trump. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't. You know what? I I would I would not have a problem with Romney because I, again, I think the guy I think the guy's qualified. I don't agree with a lot of his. You know, but he's one of those people who I don't agree with, but. I, I can't deny that he's got the qualifications. He's probably got the chops and he knows the game. Um, and, and I, th- and I think Petraeus is a fascinating choice potentially, but extraordinarily ballsy just based on the, the optics of it for all the reasons that you just said. So, yeah. you know, again, you, do you really want your secretary of state having to get his probation officer on the phone? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's that's odd. Can he even leave the country? I mean, is he allowed? Is yeah? Are there rules about that? Like, does he have to get permission? Because that's a pretty big part of the job. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, if we're talking Petraeus or Romney, I think it's win-win. Either of these are good. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I would, I, I would would agree with that. Um, So, anywho. All right, so 
let's talk about Trump himself for a little bit. Uh, with the mouth, it has not stopped. They gave him his Twitter account back. We haven't done a show since Thanksgiving. We hope that you all had anywhere near as fascinating a Thanksgiving as we did. Um, but, uh, you know, in the time since, we've had the Hamilton thing. We had the going after SNL thing. Uh, we probably need to talk about the carrier deal that got announced today. Uh, he's gone on some sort of victory tour during which there were more chance of locker up from the crowd, uh, in stop number one tonight in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, um, there's been some mouthing off between with Kelly and Conway saying, talking shit about Romney to the news and, you know, I, I mean, which is which just all of this just sort of fascinates me. But, you know, what? let's let's leave off. Let's leave off all of this and just kind of focus on the Twitter thing, because I don't think Twitter's going away. I think Trump sucking himself off on Twitter for the next four years is going to be a mainstay of the American presidency. Mm-hmm. Is that really OK? Is it really a problem? It's irritating and it's stupid. And he said some stuff on there that is just outright not good. The, the Hamilton thing was stupid. The SNL thing was stupid. The thing about burning the damn flags made me want to go buy a pile of American flags, some lighter fluid and a match and tweet him back and be like, come on, take my citizenship, you dick. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, on one hand, I want to just blow it off and go, eh, whatever, you know, hopefully at some point everybody will just figure out to ignore him. But then at the same time, he goes and says something like, I want to take the citizenship of people who burn the flag, something that has been decided so many times in the last 20 years, I've lost count. So I don't know. What do you, what do you, th- do you honestly, honestly, just, do you really think this is a thing or is it something we can, we'll just be able to eventually ignore? Well, I, I, you know, you, you asked me at our last show, you know, what was the, my number one fear with Trump as as I've, you know, I've said that there's a number of things that I'm hopeful about. And I said, my number one fear was his temper and an aspect of that is the Twitter account. You know, he can't get wrapped up in Twitter wars with, you know, the Hamilton cast or, but much more worrisome, uh, foreign leaders. Um, so I, I'm not particularly concerned by any of the things that he has said so far. Um, you know, I'm not as outraged about the burning flag thing as, as, uh, you are. And, and I know a lot of people are, um, you know, I mean, yes. The, yeah. The, that one pissed me the, off. The, that the, really the Supreme me court off. has decided on that. Sure. But I mean, barely, uh, you know, it was a five, four decision, um, and you know this they is also the Senate also voted against an amendment ten years ago to stop flag burning. Yeah, they yeah. had an amendment up in front of it, and the, you know who cast the deciding vote, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, so I mean, this is hardly something that is just this unanimous flag burning as a you know greatly protected. This is cornerstone that you must be allowed to do that. No, this is but it been is a subject of debate. It is, it is, it is decided in general that you you can't do this. And look, all free look. Every single constitutional right has limits. Every single one of them. Freedom of speech. You can't yell fire in a crowded room. That's just the way it is. Uh, Second Amendment, sure, but there's there's limits to this. Um, 
And the debate is whether or not flag burning should be a limit on this freedom of speech. So this is a symbol of who we are. You're not allowed to burn this. Done. Um, Obviously, Trump feels that you shouldn't be allowed to burn this. While I disagree, I don't necessarily think it makes him a horrible human being for wanting for not wanting people to do that. Um, well, I don't know that the actual thought is what makes him a, nor- a, 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 a horrible human being or anything. And I'm not saying he is a horrible human being, but I am saying that I think it's inappropriate for the president to make threats on social media. That I think is inappropriate. Sorry. No, hey, and I'm not disagreeing with that. His his use of social media is inappropriate. I completely agree. The way that he uses social media is inappropriate. He shouldn't do it. And his temper, which correlates with uh, his use of social media, is my number one concern uh, about Trump outside of his aggressiveness about free trade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, and again, on the upside, I did want to point this out. You know, there have been a lot, a lot of reports that he and Obama have actually talked at least on a weekly basis and a couple of times more since the election. Um, you know, so if he is genuinely using Obama in consultation, you know, word on the street was that they had a, a talk for about an hour over the weekend. Um, then that to me is, is a good sign, you know, so um, one of many, one of what I would say are many good signs. Yeah. Well, but then another bad sign that I would say was going back to his response to the, the, the Ohio state attack. Uh, you know, um, the, there was, there was the Ohio state attack response, which again, I, you can debate whether or not you thought the president, but the president's job is not to point out that bad shit shouldn't have happened or try to place blame. The president's job is to try to, get everybody to, you know, heal, say consoling things, you know, be a fucking leader. Don't be a child, you know, and, no, well, you shouldn't no, have been here in the first no, place. Thing. No, I mean, come no, on. no, 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 I'm going to disagree with you there. Cause I mean, president Obama uh, has used every single attack. One, he has done the consoling thing. He's done it extremely well. But he has definitely used those as an opportunity to voice what he sees as the need for more gun control. Yeah, after the fact. Tr- not after the fact. In the same And speech. he's got the balls to do it in press conferences. He and doesn't hide behind speech. a fucking Twitter account. I'm pretty sure Trump has the balls to say that sort of stuff to the press as well. So, well, I mean. Then why didn't he do it? Well, I'm sure he will. He ain't the president yet. So. When he has to give a press conference, no doubt he will also be consoling. But he will also highlight the fact that that man never should have been in the country in the first place. Absolutely. Do you actually believe that, though? That that guy should never have been here? Why? And Because on what grounds? I mean, that's the other thing is that you don't, you know, you can't go. It's like running around talking about the damn recounts. I would have won if it weren't for millions of people voting illegally. Back it up. Give me some evidence. That guy shouldn't have been in the country. Why? Why shouldn't he have been in the country? There's no proof that he was connected to ISIS. ISIS, w- ISIS would connect themselves to global warming if they thought that uh, that it would get a rise out of people and make them look a little bit more uh, uh, powerful. This guy, there was no evidence that this guy had any connection to ISIS. ISIS tries to take responsibility for everything. 
And there's no reason, no one has proven or, or, or offered any element of proof that this guy was anything, was even radicalized in the first place, let alone uh, that he was radicalized before he got to the country. Well, I think or that even his little Muslim resident resident registry or the internment camps that one of his people has been out there talking about would have done any good whatsoever to stop the attack. What might have done some good to stop the attack would be better vetting of people coming for student visas from countries that have strong terrorist ties, which seems to be exactly one of what Trump is saying. Right, but in that case, why would that have stopped? We him? don't. Well, we don't know because there wasn't better betting. So maybe you're right, and he got radicalized once he got over here. If he That's was radicalized in the first possible. place, if he was radicalized in the first, I mean, Matt, he has said. I mean, we we have statements from the guy saying like saying radical shit. So I mean, I mean, he was obviously radicalized by the time he ran his car into a bunch of people and tried to stab him to death. What aside this from what aside from the fact that he was what if you yeah but what if, everything that I had read was that he was afraid because he was Muslim now because he's afraid to pray on campus and afraid to be in which is what he said doesn't necessarily mean that he's fighting some sort of jihadi war I, I, the, I, the motives I could be the motives are, could be the you, motives you could be completely Muslim, different that you are that you're what you have to do is strike out in violence. I think that's radicalization. I, I think you've been radicalized. I don't think there's any proof that in this case, this was the same thing. There really isn't, man. I'm sorry. I haven't seen it. I, I guess I, I guess I can't argue that point then because I mean, we're just disagreeing on the definition of being radicalized. So I, I would say that it was thing. and that. You know, perhaps better vetting because that's that's the thing when we talk about, you know, we need to build this wall or we need to um, stop refugees. I'm always kind of like, no, that doesn't seem to be the way that they're coming in. People, a lot of the people who have done these sorts of things, they've come in on student visas. They've come in on fiance visas. They've come in on ways that are not better looked at. Um and those are the places where we need to see some upstep in our vetting processes. And I don't have a problem because with that. Because you can that. come perfectly- in quicker through those things. That's the big deal, right? That's the big difference. A refugee, they already have extreme vetting of refugees. It takes, I, I want to say, three years of vetting for you to come over here as a refugee, okay? But student visas and fiancé visas, you can come in a lot quicker and a lot easier. And that's where we need to see the adjustment. And and again, I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. But the fact of the matter is, is that why, why this makes people nervous and why this kind of thing makes me nervous is that you can't run around and, and blow your lid off about this sort of thing when you've got, again, your choice for whatever the hell the Secretary of State for Kansas is, is, is going to do in your administration that's got to do with freaking immigration. I have no idea, but he's out there running around on CNN talking about how the Japanese internment camps are a great precedent for what we can do to Muslims or to reinstate a Muslim registry that was already proven not to work and taken out because it wasn't working. I'm sorry. You can't use. Yes. What that guy said was idiotic and dumb. You can't use that as, and that's why what Trump said was stupid. That they're they're two. Compl- I think they're two completely different things. 
But they're coming from the same people. That that guy is not Trump. He has no position in Trump's in Trump's line. He is not. The next a, day, the guy was seen he, walking into a meeting with Trump. Official, he's not an official Trump spokesperson. He's not an official anything. I don't know. I, I we're we're getting into splitting hairs. I don't I don't think. Look, I I am not against. Obviously, if there, yes, I I agree with you. The student visas, fiance visas, these things are are obviously loopholes that can be closed down. And I don't have a problem with people talking about finding constructive ways to do it. It's just all the shit talking that bothers me. And unfortunately, the place where he does a lot of it is on Twitter, and which is why I think he ought to, I really think he ought to just put it down because I, I do think it's a problem in the long run. I think that's a, a major, major potential problem, and he needs to just stop. That's it. So. Anyhow, all right, very quickly, round of applause. I mean, and, and very quickly because we got, we got at least two more things I want to talk about before we get done. So, who you got? You go first. Mark Stoops, head coach, the Kentucky Wildcats yeah. football team. Coach Stoops, we love you. You're awesome. I have thought you were awesome since you walked off the plane into Lexington. You got us back to a bowl game. I think it's, it, it's, it's great. And you beat Louisville, which was so cool. That was quite possibly the best like three hours of football I've ever seen. You're amazing, and 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 we're so happy to have you in Lexington. And please, please don't leave, because you know we're a little nuts sometimes. We really are, but but we're we're, we're good people. I promise you that. Stick around. You're great. You're really really great. And I know that has nothing to do with politics, but uh, you know we need we need fun stuff every now and then. So who you got? Heck yeah, we do. And I'll follow it up with more fun stuff. I'll give my round of applause to the great John Calipari, who they uh, <laughs> had a fantastic, led us in a fantastic victory against Arizona State, and then had the team pose for pictures with all of the fans who flew all the way to the Bahamas to watch to watch to watch the guys play. Uh, Did they, he really? Yeah, round of applause to John that. Calipari for, uh, you know, he, he just he gets it, man. He he loves on the fans and appreciates, you know, uh, Kentuckians for all of our craziness about basketball and um, yeah. So it's thank you, John Calipari. You're amazing. <laughs> you know, apparently there's been a flu bug going around in the the basketball offices, so all the players tweeted out this morning that they showed up in their lockers with like Sam's Club sized bottles of Germax nice. waiting for them. <laughs> yeah, this is not the time you want a sick basketball team. So anyhow, all right. So first of all, let, let, the, I, 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 this was not on the agenda, but very Let me give what, another round of applause. Another round of applause. Okay, yeah, 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 go. Uh, another a round of applause to Francois Fillion. Um, he has just won the French primary. Oh, yeah, the French thing. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and this is huge. This is, a, this is a very big deal because we see the rise of nationalism across the board. And as much as I'm being positive about Trump and about a Republican you know, control of everything, uh, I, I, in general, I, I certainly never liked the way that Trump talked uh, on the campaign trail. And he was part of this movement that we've seen. Uh, that with, with uh, that a big Brexit was a big part of this. Uh, and in France, we have a person, Marie Le Pen, 
who is sort of the the standard barrier the standard bearer for for nationalism and she's a big Trump fan, in, big Brexit fan. In France, yeah. Yeah, in France. And uh this guy Francis uh Francois Fillion, he is sort of the best uh chance for stopping her. Uh so I just want to give him a big round of applause for winning the primary and and wish him the best of luck uh in the forthcoming election. I I need to read more on her, but what I've read I don't like. I, I really don't. She she worries me for a lot of the same reasons that Trump did. And she should. And she should worry yeah. more than Trump, honestly. Uh, why do you say that? Well, because Trump is, I, I, I think it's fair to say, I don't want to use the term pragmatist. Uh, but I, I don't think Trump is an ideologue, Right. And, and I think most people would agree with me on that, that it's not that Trump has these long held beliefs that he is now fighting for. You know, I, I, I think Trump wanted to get elected, you know. No, I think and, that's and fair. now he's yeah. kind of doing his thing. So Marie Le Pen, no, no, no. She is an ideologue. She is the daughter of a nationalist and she has taken over as the standard bearer, even though they've had some uh, falling out. Um so I, I think she should worry you much more because she's the real deal. Yeah. Okay. That's a good reason. Yeah. I need to, I need to, I need to read up a little bit more on her for sure. Um, okay. So we're, we're going to go a little bit over on time tonight just because it, look, a lot's happened, even though there's been a Thanksgiving, there was, a, there was, there was a Thanksgiving thing and, you know, holidays in Turkey and whatnot, but a lot's happened the last couple of weeks. So, but today, very quickly, I just wanted, we didn't, this was not on the agenda, but it, just uh, the, the, the carrier thing. I want to touch on this real quick. So supposedly uh, carrier air conditioning in Indiana announced today that they were going to keep a thousand, about half the jobs that they were threatening to offshore to Mexico Supposedly, this is the second deal that Trump has made a big thing about. And today he even went to Indianapolis, gave a press conference there, got directly involved. And uh, this is, you know, he's touting this as a big victory on, on a victory on, of course, on Twitter. Um, and the other one was the Ford factory in, in Louisville, Kentucky, oddly enough, uh, where suddenly they're not moving. The Ford people have sort of not really acknowledged that Trump actually had as much to do with that as he says he does. The carrier people basically directly attributed them keeping the jobs here to Trump. But one, he didn't save all the jobs, which is what he said he was going to do. That's one. Two, this took effectively giving them several million dollars when the company was already billions in profit to keep the jobs here. I mean, this, this, this took, this was not free. It's not like Trump just went in and, and strong armed them and, you know, Trumpified them and all of a sudden they kept the jobs here. So, and you made an outstanding point on Twitter today of if Obama had done this, whoa, Imperial presidency. I, this, that's hilarious. That was not what I, that I, I meant that, but I also meant the others, the reverse side that if Obama had strong armed a big corporation into keeping jobs here in the States, Democrats would be lining up to applaud him for it. I, I think you're probably right. But at the same time, it, it would concern me if Obama did it. And the important thing to note is that I don't think Obama would do it. So because I, I think to me, it's a, it is a prime example of executive overreach. 
uh, in a, to a certain extent. And I, I just don't know that it's, I mean, I don't know. What do you, all right. You, you, what, what do you, what do you think? You tell me real, real quick. What do you think? I think this is you know, great. We want, I want free trade. I want globalization, right? An issue with this is always going to be that it can often therefore sometimes be cheaper for our companies to take their take their companies and go overseas, right? When we would prefer for them to be making this stuff here. So it's going to take things like this to at times keep companies keep companies from doing that, to provide them with incentives and encouragement to keep their jobs here. Um, and we want to do that. With, we want them to keep their jobs here without throwing up trade barriers, right? So we want to make it profitable and beneficial for them to keep them here without discouraging free trade and globalization. And this is one of the ways to do that. So great. Thank you for doing this without creating any sort of ridiculous government uh, regulations and mandates and crap. So good job, Trump. Okay, the money doesn't bother you? No, it's exactly the sort of thing we have to do. If we're, if we're going to want businesses to keep their jobs here, we have to provide them with incentives through tax breaks and such that will allow them to keep their jobs here and keep them here for close to the amount of profit that they would get by taking them across. Because the moment that we find we decide, well, we're going to ha- we're going to force them to keep their jobs here by creating, you know, regulations and walls and all these sorts of things, it's going to make life a living hell because now, you know, take a look at Apple. Their supply line stretches across multiple countries, right? So we start breaking up our trade deals and throwing up walls and barriers with this country or that country. It starts messing with their supply line. Far better for us to go to Apple and be like, look, yo, we, we want you to build some stuff here. What can we do? What can I do as president-elect or as president to get you to keep those jobs here? Give us some tax breaks. Okay, here's some tax breaks. Pleasure doing business with you. This is why we elected Donald Trump, the deal maker. All right, you said you had all these skills. Let's see it. Well, here was one example where it seems like he had some skills. Good job. Okay. The precedent doesn't bother you? The idea that, because that's, I mean, this has been going on all year long. And uh, it's one of those things that's been coming. And the idea that a, a company can effectively hold the president of the United States hostage and say, I'm going to. Take these 3,000 jobs away. Give me something. Wait, you did uh, no, it for no, Carrier. No, no. Why can't you do I, it for us? I don't us? think that's an accurate description of what happened. I don't, I don't feel like that. That company wasn't holding Trump hostage at all, I don't think. Uh, I'm not saying Carrier was, but I'm saying that what about the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one? Well, I'm not upset at all by a precedent that gets set that we start giving more incentives to business for them to keep their jobs here. I I don't think that's worrisome at all. And I don't think you're going to see companies suddenly publicly going, you know, Hey, we're going to go overseas. Give us something because why not? They do it all the time. That looks bad as hell for those companies. That was one of the reasons why carrier leapt at the opportunity to make this deal. So they don't get all of the negative publicity. And okay. And uh, again, where does this leave small businesses? 
So again, you have, if you have bargaining power and the president's ear, then you can get incentives. If you don't, then you don't get incentives. Well, hopefully this leads to the key, the getting incentives built into things so that companies can take advantage of this. So, I mean, we're not hoping for a constant deal with this company, deal with that company, deal with this company. You know, that's not the goal. The goal is that we're going, we would work into, um, our laws incentives to get companies to keep things here, which is what Trump is trying to do through cutting the corporate tax rate through, uh, allowing companies to bring their stuff back here at a lower tax rate, um, to prevent inversion. You know, th- those are all things that he's working to do. So I think this is great that this happened, but I mean, that said it, this isn't a viable solution to the overall problem by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Well, Like I said, I don't know enough about it. All of those things I just asked you are the questions that I have right off the bat. So there we go. Okay, recounts. Got four going on now, I think. I I, I think Pennsylvania is official. Michigan may be official. Wisconsin is definitely official, and they're recounting the governorship in North Carolina. The governorship in North Carolina, to me, is crap. That's bullshit. Roy, Roy Cooper won. Pat McCrory needs to grow a set and finally do something for someone other than himself and concede. Done. Now, unless you have anything else to add to that. Uh, I don't. Why, why not do a recount? I, I don't. No, there's no reason not to right. do a recount. Do the recount. But now, yes, Pat McCrory, recount, but Dick, bad governor. Yeah, he should go. Other guy, other guy should win. But do the recount. Yeah, no, do the recount, but Pat McCrory needs to stop running his mouth. That's what he's been doing for yes. weeks. He should stop running um, his mouth. Clinton is handling the recount thing properly. Yeah. You that's, want, that's you want kind of, to look at how recount thought, should be handled? Yeah. That's the way it should be handled. In fact, she's not, really she's not even the one pushing it. It's Jill Stein yeah. pushing it, and all she is, and that was one tweet. It was another tweet from Trump that it kind of that annoyed me. Like, Clinton, all Clinton has done is said, look, all right, this is going ahead. We're going to get involved, make sure it's done fairly. Yeah, that's really the thing. Is like She didn't initiate the recount. Stein did. And all Clinton came out and said was, well, you know, okay. I mean, because it was going to go on with or without her. And they could either try to help or they could, you know, back off and not do anything. And either way, it was going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, and there's no, again, there's no reason not to do it. And, I, I again, I go back to the idea that the one... Uh, computer science guy put out there of, you know what? Do the recount if for no other reason so that we can find out whether or not there legitimately was any fraud in this. And, you know, I, or, or there was any involvement from foreign companies. Not so much a fraud thing. All this fraud crap, shut up. Just shut up with the fraud stuff. Forget it. Rigged election, my ass. But... The, you know, if you want to find out whether or not there was any foreign involvement, this is the way to do it. Yeah. And you kind of need to do it now. You know, I don't think the results are going to change. I'm sorry. I really don't. Although, do you know that now uh, the, the count for faithless electors who have said that they're not going to vote for Trump is now up to seven? Yeah. I don't know that that makes a difference, but the interesting thing is that the, the, the more of those that pile up, you know, I mean, I don't know. It could be interesting if it really does affect the final count and knock him under 300. I think that could be interesting. Well, I mean, it would be a matter of if it knocks him under 290 is where it would get interesting. Because 290, yeah, because 290 then is only, what he needs. So No, two, no 270 is what he needs. 
Oh, so, 270. Well, then there's a lot more. I mean, that would get him right now. He may actually be under 300, I think, if those seven actually do it. So she, there would need to be another 29 that would need to flip between now and the next two weeks. Yeah, so that that's where it would get interesting. And I wouldn't be angry, like, if that happened. I would not be crying foul, this is bullshit. It, I, because in my head, that's the whole reason it exists. So... Uh, you know, like, I mean, that's that's why this is there. So if you don't like it, then, well, you need to change the Constitution or whatever it is that the Electoral College is built into. Um, yeah, because you know what? This is the system. You know, you know, this is kind of the way it's all written. And we're talking all up and down about Second Amendments and the Constitution and bra. Okay. This is part of it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Let's be clear. I don't actually think the outcome is going to change. I really don't. But uh, it'd be interesting if it did. It absolutely would be. So. I think in that case, you. I think you, there would probably be some rioting if it did. I, I think there's no, really not any doubt about that. Oh, white people don't know how to riot. White people don't even know how to boycott. I'm sorry. Well, not even. <laughs> we've sorry, we've already bad. talked about this with the with Starbucks. I know. White people. You yeah. and I talked about it. Yeah. Well, and now they're. Well, I mean, I just I feel like I need to let them know. So because there was this whole thing now because Kellogg is. Did you see a bit of this about with Kellogg's? Vaguely. And um, Kellogg's has decided to pull their ads from Breitbart. And not under any pressure, really. They just they found they didn't realize that they were using an aggregator that did advertising. And their CEO decided, or CEO or somebody decided that he he didn't want their ads on on Breitbart, so he said, you know what, don't advertise there. And so now, of course, everybody, oh, Bre- just so we're, you know, not going to advertise on Breitbart and uh, you know boycott Kellogg's or whatever, you know, no more raisin bran for you. Uh, so okay, but I just I want to make this clear to you guys: if you're going to vote boycott, that's that's good, great, but you know that means you're not supposed to buy their stuff. So, because with the Starbucks thing and the Trump and all that, just by, you know, buying Starbucks, if you want to boycott Starbucks, don't go. If you're going and giving the money, it it defeats the purpose. So, if you want to boycott Kellogg's, just don't buy the Special K. Just so you know, that's what it means. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I understand that conservatives don't really do this sort of thing all that often. You know, it's more of a liberal uh, turf. Oh, boycotting? No, we, no, we are, no, we are, we are Mr. Boycott. We we are do you? yeah we do a really? lot of man you, you are, boycott besides movies what do you boycott besides movies you don't want oh watch? hell man well there's always pushes to, to to boycott anything that's involved with Planned Parenthood for one um so yeah you start you start talking to, that's not the same thing you start talking to pro lifers man and they will they will run you down a list of companies that they will not shop with um because because of that so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The whole Starbucks thing made me what worry. What do liberals boycott? So, liberals boycott everything. What? Aside I from, can't think of anything. I can't think of anything, but they do. They do it all the time. Liberals have been staging sit-ins and doing protests longer than y'all had breath in your body. Oh. This is this is where we made our bones. We did. Yeah. If you're <laughs> if you're African American, yes. <laughs> White liberals, <laughs> no. They don't. <laughs> Oh, for heaven's sakes. All right. Speaking of liberals, I know this is not so much your turf, but this is our last topic for the night. And, uh, I, you know, so it's all this 
the the Democratic Party is just a big big pile of rubble right now. Supposedly, the the really interesting part about this is that they they won the overall popular vote by a lot in the from the presidential race. They actually won more total Senate votes again this time. Uh, they only they didn't win the House vote this time, but they did win. They actually did win an overall majority of the popular votes in the house in 2012 i think and 2014 this was the first year they didn't in a while so obviously there are a lot of democrats out there uh this to me seems like more of a leadership problem than anything else and then they turn around they reelected nancy pelosi again in the house really without even it wasn't even close frankly it was you know they just reelected her uh you know i mean i i i am as a democrat i am not panicking all that much or as somebody who tends to vote more democratic than anything else i'm not registered with either party but uh i i don't get all panicky over this sort of thing because they're always constant shifting and even pointing to the gerrymandering thing we know we got another census coming up i mean it does look bleak but i mean i don't know what's what's your sense your at from your angle what's your sense of the democratic party right now well i mean i think you're losing your primary figurehead and you need to find someone else to rally around and you picked a pretty wretched figurehead with Nancy Pelosi um Chuck Schumer seems seems a little bit better uh you know I mean the main thing with the Democratic Party is that you're you're winning the popular votes because you're very popular in New York California East Coast West Coast but that whole middle area, you know, you've lost touch with uh, everyday people. And while many of your policies perhaps might uh, assist a lot of the, the, the poor people in those areas, you, you're not communicating with them well. So whoever you want to be your figurehead, they can't be a Nancy Pelosi. You know, it needs to be so more like who was the guy running against her? Tim Ryan from Ohio. Wasn't that his name? Um, Something like that, yeah. You know, a guy like that, sure. You know, maybe him. Uh, Charlemagne the God, you know, one of these guys. But uh, you, you can't keep on picking who, you, who, you're, who you're picking right now. Yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest thing to me is, you know, but at the same time, also don't panic. I mean, you know, the last time we were in a similar that liberals were in a similar similar position to this was 2004 and in 2004 Barack Obama hadn't even been elected to the, to a, a federal office yet mm-hmm. so we don't know who's out there uh that could show up there is an interesting i don't know if you've seen it or not i need to send meant to send you the article i haven't done it yet but there's a there is a case that uh has been uh fast tracked and is going straight to the supreme court uh, that will force the Supreme Court to make a decision on gerrymandering. Ooh, that'll be good. For the first time in Wisconsin. Um, so, uh, you know, that that could make... Uh, there's a write-up on Vox mm-hmm. about it that's very good. Uh, so that could go a long way to changing how we draw up district lines. Yeah, and, uh, and I, think, I, I think the Supreme Court will... We'll, we'll side against gerrymandering, I think, regardless of the makeup of the court. I, I think once it gets to that point, I, I think regardless of if this, this is a conservative-leaning or a liberal-leaning court, uh, I think they're, I think they'll strike down gerrymandering because I, I think it's pretty clearly unconstitutional. 
I tend to think it is too. And I, you know, but I don't know, you know, nothing is, nothing is guaranteed, you know, obviously, especially where the court's concerned. So, um, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting, but you know, I think the biggest thing right now is that Democrats just need to back up and focus and do exactly what you said. They have got to really look at why they lost lower to middle class work, working class, uh, working class people, mm-hmm. not just working class white people, but working class people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a massive chunk of that. And, and to be, and I, I think it's a mistake. I think that there are a lot of Democrats, at least in a leadership standpoint, that try to see things in a demographic sense and figure out, okay, if we can get these demographics, then, you know, they, they take too much of a, for lack of a better phrase, a smart kids approach to this. And that's not, you don't win elections with math. You win elections with people. And if you can't connect to people, then you're not going to win. I don't care how good your math is. So they've got to remember how to do that. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that they forgot, which is weird because they're coming off having a guy who understood the math, but was better at connecting with people. That's why Barack Obama won because he could connect with people. He could connect with certain people. He connected, he connected well with me and he was very galvanizing force for the African American community. Um, and, but I, I wouldn't say that he did some sort of amazing job of connecting with the working class. I, I think honestly, it's where he probably struggled a little bit, I think. Um, well, but then why, why was he able to, because he, because yeah, he, he was won in all these places, places where Clinton right. didn't win. You were right. You know, he was able to carry those places. But I, I, I think that was a, a fairly consistent gripe about him was, you know, to me unfairly, because I, I always felt like he connected very well with, with me. Um, but it was sort of a gripe against him that a lot of people felt like he, he just, he wasn't talking, he was talking at them and not with them to them. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that wasn't an issue, but there, but again, you know, he won in places where Clinton wasn't able to, I don't care if you're galvanizing. I don't care who you're, my point is, is not who are you galvanizing from a race standpoint, from a demographic standpoint, obviously, if you're able to do this, then you're going to be able to get people behind you. And there is a level of connecting with people of any color or race that even if you know where those demographics are and you go to these specific demographics and think, okay, because I am here visiting with this group of people, they will all vote for me and everything will be fine. Or just assuming that because this is a state that's got a lot of black people or got a lot of Hispanic people and you've been there a couple of times that, you know, they're all going to just get behind you. Then you actually have to get them behind you. And that's what Clinton wasn't able to do. And that frankly is what, what Democrats haven't been able to do. And, and also they need to start making better inroads into like you, like you said, in the, the, in the center States, you know, but I don't know if they will, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't have any idea. So, but that's, that's my thing. I, I just, I, I think it's a little too early to have all the, I'm reading all of this stuff about how the democratic party is just a shambles and is never going to recover. Come on. No, that, that's crazy talk. I mean, the Republican party was far more 
closer to some form of civil war, I think, than the than the Democrats are. The Democrats just need a leader. Uh, I mean, I think the Democrats are pretty in line as far as what the direction, they, the sorts of policies and the direction the country needs to go. They just need a leader who can connect with people. So Yeah, who can articulate it. So, yeah, there we go. All right. Well, that, I believe, is our show. So... Have you have you anything further? I do not. Well, then I guess I'll take us out with something cool. Kind of. So, all right. Well, I don't I don't have a specific thing. I I, I have I just I have something I want to talk about for a second. And it's it's not uh you know, I I've, I've been thinking about this a lot and I don't the, the first thing I want to say before I even start with this is that I, I I don't want this to sound like I'm preaching because I'm I'm not I don't want to be I'm not talking at anybody. I just you know, we're coming off we're coming off a, a kind of a tough time. And it's, uh, you know, it's the holidays and uh, families are getting together and all this other stuff. And I've read so, so, so many articles uh, leading up to Thanksgiving about just how hard it is to talk about what's been going on and how, you know, just some really uh, people just saying some really awful things to family members. And I've heard about it uh, firsthand in a couple of cases. And, um, you know, I, I think the only the thing and the reason I want to talk about this is that I, I grew up and Tim knows this, but I, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a family that was primarily fairly conservative and I'm, I'm not. And I figured that out pretty early on and it took me a long time to really figure out how to talk to the people in my family without getting angry about politics. And I, and I still, to this day, I, I, I have a, I have a big mouth and it's hard sometimes to shut it off. Even last week I said some things that were not terribly sensitive um, when talking about it, but I, I have nice people like Tim around me who don't get mad at me. Um, and you know, I, I just, the, the thing I want to say is that this is not, uh, this is not the kind of thing that's worth breaking up families and it's not worth dropping anything. And if I learn more about how to talk to my family about this kind of thing, by just stopping talking myself and just listening and, if you're out there and you're having any trouble with this sort of thing, maybe just stop and listen for a little while and try to remember why the people that you're talking to meant so much to you in the first place. Cause it's, you know, it's not the time of year to, you know, be breaking shit up or something like this. It's not worth it. It's just not. And, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I just hope I don't read as many stories about that in the next month or so as I did uh, last week because it was really kind of heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, just everybody take breath and understand that the, you know, the, the really cool part about where we live is that this is such an awesome, this kind of discourse is such an awesome part of, of who we are. And it's important that we, you know, remember that it's okay to disagree and to try to keep loving each other through the end of it, you know regardless of whether or not you agree about this stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I know that's probably a little preachy, but, uh, you know, yeah, sorry if it was, but there you go. That's all I got. I <laughs> <laughs> no, agreed. Agreed. We have to, we have to listen more and talk less. That's always good advice. I think so. So anyhow, all right, well, yeah, that's enough of me going off. So, uh, anyhow, um, 
Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we'll be back next week. Uh, check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibConMatt. Tim is LibConTim. Uh, we'll hope we'll talk to you again. Have a great week. Bye.